Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ballplayer Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 68th episode. And the 68th episode brought to you by Netting Pros. Will Miner and the guys at Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting Professionals specialize in design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ballpark ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, protectors, turf, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and so much more. Will Miner and the Netting Professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Please contact 844-620-2707, or you can email them at info at nettingpros.com. Visit their website, nettingpros.com, and check them out on all social media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So with this 68th episode brought to you by Netting Pros, I have the privilege of talking to head coach at Louisiana at Lafayette, Mr. Matt Deggs. Coach Deggs, um, I said the head coach of the Raging Cajuns, uh, former head coach at Sam Houston State, um, you know, they, where they won the conference championship three out of the four seasons he was there, um, took them to the Super Regional in 17, had 16 players drafted out of there, um, was formerly an assistant coach at uh, Lafayette when 2014, uh, which Coach Deggs tell me they were the first mid-major ever to become the consensus number one at the conclusion of the regular season. Their first mid-major, an incredible feat. Uh, in 2014 was the first time <clears throat> that they had ever ha- had the number one ranking, let alone the number one consensus at the end of the season. Um, but it was actually the second time he was actually, when he assistant coach at Texas A&M, they were ranked number one in the nation as well in 2009. So assistant coach at A&M, assistant coach at Arkansas. He was at Texarkana Juco, took his team to the World Series. But more importantly, he's a man of faith. High integrity, the leader of men, uh, is relationship driven and a fierce competitor, uh, and now he's a best-selling author through his Wolfpack system, fifteen to twenty-eight. Um, as he talks about his story, he's got a remarkable story, uh, which some people have mentioned. But if you haven't heard it, he he goes into his story. Um, but Coach Deggs is an incredible person, um, you know, and, and really getting into some things about his culture as well as his offensive system but overall about the identity of a person and how they are helping evolve and helping people adapt within his structures and that and his programs that he's doing. So uh, I just want to thank Coach Deggs uh, for this opportunity. I uh, want to get right into this so you guys can hear all the great things he talks about, like I said, within his culture, building identity with thoughts such as his team, but also um, each individual person. Because like we talked about, it's one of the hardest things to do is just coming out who we are. And he said a lot of people, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to speak for him, but like just the great things that he had talked about, about how we get wrapped up in what we do, not so much who we are. Um, and that's really kind of uh, scary for people when we, when we have that identity. So, um, so much more. Again, Coach Deggs, thank you for helping me get better. And here he is, head coach at Louisiana University at Lafayette, Coach Matt Deggs. really an unbelievable journey Trey, and and uh i go from uh really having the bull by the tail and and being on top of the world and, and 
you know, I'd coached at Arkansas and, and then at A&M and we had won and won a lot, you know, SEC championships and Big 12 championships and uh, Omaha, all that good stuff and was up for jobs and big jobs. And uh, but I was living a lie. Right. And and uh, I, I couldn't put a beer bottle down. And uh, ultimately, it, it cost me everything for a period of time. And, uh, you know, I lost what I think I still think, and it was the best coaching situation in the country. I thought, uh, I was the associate head coach at A&M, uh, worked with my best friend, Rob Childress, and he let me, you know, have total autonomy over the, the program and running, you know, every, just about every side of the baseball side of things. And, and, uh, got to go to work with my best buddy every day and all of us were tight and, I uh, just couldn't put a beer bottle down and ultimately it cost me my job. And, and you know, I always say Rob didn't fire me. I fired me because if I, I'd have never drank it, you know, I'd have never been fired. And mm-hmm. uh, when you, when you lose your job, it, of course, at this level, you also lose, unfortunately, Trey, you lose your identity as a man. And because so many of us wrap our identity into what we do instead of who we are and uh who we were made to be as a as a child of god and uh lost my family for a period of time we lost our home lost a lot of uh friends and and uh, relationships and uh it was the darkest lowest point you know you could ever imagine and uh you know i didn't want to live anymore and i would i would when i speak i always say this i i and it's true i would sleep uh next to my four-year-old daughter and just hold her so I could feel her heartbeat. So I could, you know, wake up one more day. And, uh, it was a very low, dark point. I was unemployable. Uh, you know, I'd gone from interviewing for the Mississippi state head coaching job to getting turned down by everybody across the country, uh, from the JUCO level all the way up, uh, you know, just the constant doors slammed in your face. (laughs) And so, you look up and I'm, I turned 40 and I'm working in a feed mill about 20 miles outside of college station just to make ends meet. And that's, that's uh, a very humbling experience. You go from associate head coach at A&M and your identity is wrapped into all of those things to loading 18 wheelers in the middle of August, uh, you know, full of cattle feed, horse feed, deer feed, uh, that'll, that'll get your attention real quick. And that's Mm -hmm. why I always say there's two kinds of people, those that are humble and those that are about to be humble. And I was certainly uh, getting humbled and sit outside the game for 430 days. And, and uh, there was one man uh, in the entire country that would give me a second chance. And his name was Tony Robichaux. And he was a head coach here with the Raging Cajuns and sat me down in a hotel room. And he said, I don't, you know, I don't care what you've done. And he's the only guy that ever said that. I don't care what you've done. I only care what you're going to do about it. And with that, Trey, he gave me what, in my opinion, is the greatest gift in the world for anyone, which is the gift of a second chance, uh, a do-over. And, uh, you, you know, the, 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 the sin is not getting knocked down. The sin's not getting back up. And once he gave me a, a chance to do something about it, I did. And I took the action and, and made the most of the second chance, although I was still drinking. Uh, that's how hard-headed I am. I was still drinking even two years after being fired, uh, or a year, a little over a year and a half, two years after being fired. When I came here, I was still drinking. And 
uh, walked into a team that was really down and, and, uh, you know, we, we suffered through that 2012 season. I was hired in the middle of the year and uh, hit the road recruiting and signed a few new guys and, and, uh, brought a lot lot of guys back and, and, uh, we set off on this remarkable journey, man. I quit drinking in 2013, hadn't had a drink in over eight years and really started walking with faith and sacrifice and obedience and the Lord's face just started shining down upon those things and, and honoring God. And, uh, through that, I, I truly believe that he honored this team and this program and had the largest turnaround in the NCAA in 2013, led the nation in offense and, uh, went from 23 and 30 to 43 and 20, lost mm. in the, the regional championship game to LSU. And then that set the stage for 2014, uh, where, you know, like I said, became the first mid-major ever uh, to finish the regular season as the consensus number one ranked team in the nation. We were 58 and 10. I mean, mm. we almost won all of them. <laughs> we uh, led the nation all offense again and, and, uh, Narrowly lost to, to in the championship game to Ole Miss. We hosted a super regional. We got after him the first game, lost a heartbreaker the second game, and dropped the third game. I guess we were kind of the Arkansas uh, of today's time, you know, going in number one ranked and and all of that stuff, and just fell a little bit short. I think about it every day, but so many lives trade were impacted through that, and th- that team was so broken, and I was the most broken one amongst them. We all had a story. And we just banded together, kind of like a gang, man. And uh, we were bulletproof. We were tough to beat. We loved each other. We all still stay in touch. And uh, it, that set the stage for me to take over as the head coach at Sam Houston State uh, following that 14th season and uh, just continued our, our walk and our journey and, and uh, look up in 2017. And we become the first team in Southland Conference history to, to win a regional. We went on the road. And, uh, to Texas Tech. I think they were ranked second in the country at the time. And uh, we beat Arizona twice and beat Texas Tech twice uh, to win that regional mm. and advanced to the school and conference's first ever super regional against uh, Florida State and had a chance to take Florida State down. We had a three run lead in the seventh in the first game and, and looked like we were on our way and they tied it up and then ultimately walked us off. Next day, we got a bunch of rain delays and for all intents and purposes, burned our starter uh, just because he was held together with, you know, leather shoelace and barbed wire, basically, and a bunch of Advil. Uh, <laughs> you know, so he got hot probably five, six times. There was that many rain delays, and uh, they wind up getting after us really good. But after that was over, you know, I had this this press conference and uh, just spoke from the heart, and unbeknownst to me, it goes what they call viral, which yeah. I didn't have any clue what that was at the time. And, uh, you know, long story short, it's look up and it's got 50 million views on it. And it, it changed our life. And uh, with that, it, it opened the door, Trey, for me to truly tell God's story and the story that he had given me and uh, was able to, to write it down in words and uh, write a book called 15 to 28 which has had a huge i have nothing to do with it i just did it uh you know it's god's story of love power and redemption that he can make all things new and whole again and that he'll use the broken uh you know to 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 his glory and to save others and that book is just you know i get letters text emails uh from all over man from 
coast to coast and, you know, just all over the, you know, I quit drinking or I finally got my family back or, uh, you know, I saved my marriage. I haven't had a drink in a year, uh, et cetera. And I always say I would go through it again if it meant God having that type of impact on others uh, through the things that, that I put myself and family through. Uh, you know, obviously I wouldn't want to inflict that type of pain again, uh, but uh, to walk through the valley to come out on the other side, I would do it again to help help the people that have been helped through the story. And I think that press conference, what it did was it, it propped up a stage uh, and, and opened a door to, hey, look, this is this is the man behind that. And this is why he's there. And, uh, this is how he got there. And the Lord used that to impact a lot of people. Uh, fast forward a couple of years later and coach Robichaud, the, the man that saved my life, uh, here with the Cajuns, you know, I always say God has a sense of humor because he took a drunk and he put him in Lafayette, Louisiana, getting to quit drinking. Uh, cause if, if you don't know, this is probably the drinking capital of the United States and, and the Cajuns <laughs> like to have a good time. So, right. uh, so that logic just doesn't make any sense, but God's kingdom's upside down here on earth. And, uh, he uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and the weak things to shame the strong. And, uh, that's what he did. He took me here to get me to quit drinking and look up in the summer of 2019. And one of my best buddies, you know, passes away of a heart attack, coach Rove and, uh, the family and as devastating as it was, the family and the university and community reached out and wanted us to come back over here. And I just told Kathy, my wife, you know, this is what we've got to do. Uh, even though we were really satisfied and at home and in, in Huntsville, Texas, cause it's about an hour North of Houston and, and, uh, you know, we're from the Houston area. So we we had a lot of comfort there, but I think the Lord was calling us to get uncomfortable and uh, pick up uh, Coach's torch and and continue down the trail that he had blazed and and uh, look to restore this program uh, above and beyond where it was, both on and off the field and in the development of men and players and making sure they graduate and winning championships and all that stuff. And so, uh, program was was once again not where. I know coach wanted it and where, where it could have been and uh, set out to want to, to turn that around. And lo and behold, we get hit with a global pandemic. Right. And, uh, and so really, and truly as tough as this year was with all the starts and stops and can you have fans? Can you not, do you need a mask? Do you not, you know, and uh, I consider it really and truly kind of our first year here. And mm-hmm. having gone through our first season and, and, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the year we had. It's not, uh, where the standard is, you know, we won 32 games and, uh, we were competitive and, and had some big wins and, and had a chance to advance. We were base runner away from a conference championship game. We won our division. Uh, but we've still got a long way to go to, uh, get everything, you know, back to where I know it can be here at UL, because this is a special, special place with special people. And we have one of the top, I bet, 25 setups in the country and and uh, got, in my opinion, the best fan base in the country, pound for pound, Cajun Nation. Uh, mm-hmm. And so uh, this is our, our second home. It's our adoptive home. These people have embraced us since 2012 and 2013 and 14 and uh, we're blessed to be back here, Trey. And, uh, 
you know, that's kind of where we're at today. I know I'm being a little bit long winded, but, uh, just that's, that's, uh, kind of the cliff notes version of how I got here and how I'm on your uh, podcast today. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Very well said. And, and, uh, yeah, very inspirational story for sure. I think it's, it's just a, how, man, it's a, man, a bunch of things just coming to mind about it is like, one is because you, you mentioned about the kids, everybody has this problem with like identity, you know, and the density where we think too much about what we do and not who we are. Right. And I'm sure like you, like you're raising young men, getting them at 18, leaving at 22. I'm sure they're, they feel that their identity is being a baseball player. Like how has your experience like helped them be, be say like, you're more than just a baseball player. Well, I'm, I'm able to share my experiences with them of, of, and it's a, it's double-edged sword, right? So I'm able to share a lot of successful moments with them. And I'm, a, I'm able to share too, a lot of, a lot of paths that'll, that'll uh, be a great recipe to crash and burn as well. And, and so I try to be authentic and, and uh, just wear who I am on my sleeve and what you see is what you get. And I'm going to speak the truth to them. And I try not to be transactional. And I think a lot of us can get that way, especially when it comes to winning and losing. Uh, really try to be more transformational uh, and, and, and developing that identity of not, not necessarily what you do, but who you are as a man and, and building guys that are ready to leave out of here. And if professional baseball is in store, great. If not, they're ready to, to get out in the, the real world and be a great husband or father or uh, you know, employee or business owner or, or whatever that might be. Uh, you know, we only make one promise, Trey, in our program. I'm not going to promise you you're going to play or your number or anything else. Uh, you're going to earn everything you get here. Uh, but I do promise you this, is that when mom and dad drop you off, we're going to pick up in your development as a man, uh, mind, body, spirit. We want to develop the well-rounded man. I think where people fall off the rails, and I know I was certainly uh, – one of them is when your identity is wrapped up into what you do, no matter if it's a, a doctor, a lawyer, a ball player, a coach, uh, you know, whatever, a teacher, it doesn't matter. When your identity is wrapped up so tight in that, and then you're not running on a full tank mentally, physically, and spiritually, okay? And then things don't go your way. Boy, that's uh, that's a recipe for some some nasty stuff to start to to happen and and really your life to start to spiral because it'll create this void in your heart uh, that if you're not running on a full tank in those three areas, like I said, uh, you're going to look to fill that tray with the things of this world, alcohol, drugs, lust, gambling, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, that's where you're going to run. But when your identity is, is secure and who you are is as a child of God, as a man, and a husband, a father, a friend, uh, then you have confidence in who you are as a man. And, and, you know, you stay on a full tank mentally and physically and spiritually, and you're able to uh, not only go through adversity and challenges, but to embrace them and grow and learn from them. And uh, the odd thing about it is I think your identity as to what you do then begins to even take off even more uh, when, when you can do those things. And so we, you know, our like I said, our, our our mission and our one promise is develop men, develop players. If God gave you the ability, we're going to get the get it out of you. 
Okay. We're going to make sure you're on track to graduate. I think we just graduated 12 players uh, this spring, which is by far the most I've ever been a part of. We've had six straight years of a 3.0 or better in the classroom, a ton of community service. Uh, and, and, and so we want to develop the, the off the field uh, as well as the on the field, make sure they get that master key, that degree that's going to open up every door for them for the rest of their life. And uh, we'll win championships together and been fortunate throughout my career that every class we've ever had at some point that one promise has come true uh everything else after that tray is up to you you're gonna have to work for it and earn it and uh you know our expectation of you is that you you handle your business on and off the field you're a great teammate you play hard practice hard and uh, love to compete if you can do those things uh you're gonna play for us and so uh nowhere in our expectation did i say you know, I need you to to pitch it out of two or hit 15 jacks because you don't control those things. Uh, what I do want you to do is become very good at the things you do control. Uh, your attitude, your effort, your off the field life, uh, your practice habits, how you work in the weight room, what kind of teammates you are, your energy, your hustle, your enthusiasm. All of those things are controllable and it takes zero talent. And so when we can get good players to dominate the things that they can control and I think our culture, it's, an, it's a culture of overachievement, right? And so uh, we always talk about becoming the best at the stuff nobody else cares about. And uh, there's a lot of those things right now, nowadays, uh, how we get on and off the field, uh, how we present ourselves, how we get down the line, uh, just taking pride in things that have nothing to do with the scoreboard. And uh, really and truly, that kind of encapsulates our program in a nutshell. Uh as to, to our promise and then our expectation and, and uh, really what our culture is all about. Oh yeah. Get me fired up to come back and play too myself. My God. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so, so, I mean, as many, as I'm sure you said, like a lot of stories, are these things that you share? Um, so I know the fall is probably a great time for you to a lot of share, share these things or possibly during the spring. Like, is it, is it classroom sessions that you do? Uh, is it just merely just like individual based kind of, like you said, authentic as possible, just mostly just kind of your personal relationships or is there's times where you just kind of meet as a team and kind of go over these? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a, a it's a lot of both. Okay. Uh, we're in at least the way I like to do it. We're in the relationship business and, uh, you know, obviously some are stronger than others and that's just kind of life. Uh, but, you know, I think one on one time is very important. But I also think it's important to teach and to test. And uh, so we do a lot of throughout the course of the year, really, what I call professional development. And uh, so I'll give you, for instance, if we're going to lift at six, we may meet in there at 530 uh, a.m. And I, I do what's called a classroom session and I'll teach on our culture or uh, life or baseball. Uh, and we call it a classroom session. And and uh a lot of times, you know, we work out of, I pass out a binder to them when we start every year and it has our entire uh, business of, of, of Cajun baseball in this binder. And it's got our culture and from our culture to baseball to our standards and expectations. And it's got calendars and it's got everything you're going to be involved in. I really believe, Trey, if you're just two things, you got a shot to, to, to be very good and win. And no matter what business you're in, and that's organized and united. Uh and so we were meticulously organized and thought out and planned out. And obviously last year uh, was very difficult because I challenge anybody to make plans during COVID because uh, 
one day you might have 35 the next day you might have 10 uh mm. one day you might be in the clubhouse the next day you might be out of it for two weeks and so it was very difficult but in a in a normal year uh we have a lot of classrooms we have a lot of guest speakers uh, and then there's a lot of one-on-one meeting times and uh you know, I think all of that is is vital towards building relationships and and building a culture and and communication is a key and above and beyond communication, I think clarity is probably the number one thing in any great culture is is clarity of mission and understanding, you know, who you are, how you're going to do it, and uh, you know how how we're going to get there and and what's the outcome going to be and it's up to you as a leader. To me, culture is this: it's just leadership and action on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, so, uh, when, when it's up to you as a leader to disseminate clearly your mission and your vision and the standard and, and where, you know, what's the end game for this ball club. And, uh, you know, this is why we're here and this is how we're going to do it. And so a lot of that comes through classroom settings and, uh, you know, on an average year, there's probably 50 plus classrooms. Uh, mm. I, I always say this, I think they should get a grade for it. Honestly, I think it's a class really. Yeah. Uh, and I'm being, I'm being serious. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, they don't, but, uh, there would be a lot of value in it. Uh, if, if they did, because what we do as well, you know, two things to becoming a, uh, or truly a master coach is, is, you need to write stuff down. And a lot of guys, and I was guilty of this young, you know, earlier in my career as a younger guy is just thinking you're going to remember everything while you're not. And uh, then you're going to want to go back to it and you're not going to remember it. And so when you can write stuff down and structure it and organize it and put it into a, a plan and a plan of action, uh, you're going to be one step ahead. And then secondly, you need to test your guy. Uh, literally test them. And uh, so we'll test once or twice a week and it could be anything Trey from a three question pop quiz to uh, you know, a hundred question multiple choice test. And uh, if you ever want to shock yourself as a coach and really put a dent in your own ego, test them (laughs) because you think you've been explaining and coaching and teaching. And I promise you this, Heads might be going like this while you're talking, but it doesn't mean that they're retaining a lot of it. And right. so when you can test written test, uh, et cetera, and uh, you, you'll find out where you're at real quick and then you can address it and move on. You know, if if you're calling on guys in these classroom settings, don't call on the guys that are raising their hand. Uh, you need to challenge everybody. And so uh, we teach and we coach and we adjust and, and uh, we test and, and, uh, you know, that's kind of our, our formula, uh, and especially in the fall and mm-hmm. in our professional development, we'll bring in a lot of guest speakers. We've had some great ones over the years. Like I said, last year was kind of difficult because of COVID you couldn't have, you know, if they're not in the testing protocol, they're not going to come in. Now, a lot of that's being lifted right now, but, uh, it was just hard to do that. So, uh, you know, we've had, we've had, we've had a ton of great guests with it. We've had Marcus Luttrell over the years. We've had a Top Gun pilot. We, you know, it's just, uh, it's been a lot of really cool people. Uh, Craig Biggio, uh, Lance Berkman. Uh, just, I think the more people you can get to kind of tell their story uh, and give these guys a different viewpoint of things uh, is the better. And it goes a long way towards their development. 
Sure. And I guess a question with that, like with your clarity of mission and you talk about the clarity of mission and, and what you're doing, do you find, would you find people that the mission is aligned to them or is it just totally just like, Hey, just kind of tell your story or do you go into it? Like looking for speakers that have the kind of, this is we're on this mission. These people are aligned with it. Most certainly you've got to, you, it's got to be in the ballpark, right? Yeah. So uh, anytime you bring in a guest, it's always to reinforce points that you've been making. Okay. Uh, I don't know how wise it would be just to, to bring somebody in off the cuff that, you know, doesn't share the same views uh, or vision as your business or ball club or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, even, even when I go speak, I mean, you're brought in and there's a topic already, you know, this mm-hmm. is what we would like you to speak on. And so, uh, you know, unless it's just somebody that, 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 uh, you just can't pass up, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if it's, uh, if it's a specific thing that you're looking to accomplish, uh, you know, for instance, when I was at Sam, we had a, we had a Navy SEAL and, and, uh, last said a, a guy that was a top gun pilot and they came for a week and uh instructed our team uh on x y and z that we had been reinforcing and uh gave us a different perspective but made the same points awesome awesome yeah that's a <clears throat> oh great um coach i i guess now it's the sustainability. Like you said, you said you went viral and, and everybody was coming and you've, you've told your story and um, the consistency now comes to mind, you know, and um, people know the Wolfpack system and what you're doing. Like, so the question for me now is like, cause I love it. And I love even like Roba shows, like the colored plate system. Like I love that, you know, like I, I followed you. And then that, so my question now is, is the consistency when you give them the binder, is it shifted through each year? Like what changes have made? How do you keep that consistency? And at the same time, give each person their each individuality, each team their individuality? Yeah, I think the team, that's a remarkable question uh, because that's the other side of the, the sword, right? Yeah. It's, it's got to stay fresh yeah, and it's got to stay new. And sometimes Trey, you'll recycle back to other things that you've used in the past that this okay. group may not have been a part of, uh, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to keep it fresh and you've got to introduce new things and you've got to adapt, uh, you know, with, with today's, uh, player and, uh, the younger generation of today, I don't think you can just sit in your ways. Although I'm a very old school guy, uh, I understand that that in anything you have to have the ability to adjust and adapt. I just don't think you surrender your values. So uh, at the core of what we do will always be attitude, approach, intensity, and toughness. But maybe we evolve uh, in a couple of different areas. Uh, maybe we have a different look. Uh, on something. And then you've got to read your personnel. I don't think you can show up in the first team meeting and say, this is who we are because it's the personality of that team is going to dictate uh, really and truly what your ID is and, and, and who you are. Now, what you can do is, and I think we do a good job of this. You can be ultra organized 
and you can set the parameters of look at this is how we do things and uh this is the standard and and this is where the bar is set. But as far as your identity, uh, you know, not every pack is created equal. There's been some great ones and there's been some ones that have struggled to grasp it. Uh, But the framework will always remain what you do inside of that, I think has to evolve and change and stay fresh. And that's, is that, would you say that's like your challenge each year, just kind of seeing what this kind of team needs? I think that's anybody's challenge uh, that has had success and in, yeah. in, in something in particular. So uh, there's a Japanese proverb, I think of often, you know, it says the worst thing for a business is 50 years of success because you have to, to your question, that's a very smart question. To your question, you have to evolve and adapt and, and, and not, and, and you can't get fat cat syndrome either. Right. And, and think you're just going to win or be successful based on your past history, because you're always getting hunted. And, uh, and so you've, you've got to be able to change and adapt. And I just don't think you ever do that at the compromise of your ethics or who you are as a man and, and the things that you stand for. But as far as adapting to the times or the, this generation or, you know, any generation, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to be able to do that if you want to sustain longevity, sustain longevity in this game and success uh, at, at what we do. You're going to have to be able to relate and stay relevant. And, uh, you know, you, you, the biggest this is a generation that's experienced more change than than any generation ever. Uh because I think about the way I grew up. Okay. And the way I grew up was not very much different than how my mom and dad grew up and how my mom and dad grew up really wasn't that much different from the greatest generation that fought in world war two and all of that mm-hmm. things pretty much, uh, you know, they introduced the TV and there still wasn't a remote to it. And, you know, cars were cars and, and the telephone was still on the wall and, uh, so the, the, the changes to society were not that great. And if you think about just from, uh, just from 1999 to right now, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah. I didn't own a cell phone until 2003. Right. I mean, these kids are growing up with that and then, you know, it's, uh, technology and, and just, uh, just everything, uh, that goes with it it's a remarkable change and it's constantly changing. And, uh, so it's a little bit different generation, a little bit different way of doing things. It's a lot more instantaneous. Uh, and so I think you've got to find ways to, to stay relevant and challenge these kids and meet them where they're at. Mm. Mm. So it, would you, would you say like, would this be what some of your biggest advice to like a younger coach or even like a younger Matt Deggs, you know, like what you would offer that advice of, like you said, not compromising your, who you are as a person, you know, and then getting into, like you said, adapting, adapting within the frameworks. And then, like you said, there was um, being able to reach, you know, and kind of adapt, I guess, adapt and meet them where they are. Yeah. I think the biggest advice to any young coach is, and, you know, I'm speaking to myself here too, is 
and I truly believe this is they will all, you will always need them way more than they need you. Mm. And I think, especially as a younger coach, you start to believe that, you know, you're the man or I, you know, I'm bulletproof. I can, you know, and that's just not the case. Uh, they, they're going to win with or without you. And, and that's just the bottom line. Uh, loyalty is everything, you know, that's, that's my number one thing. As, and, and I'm speaking to anybody getting into coaching or, or whatnot is loyalty is the number one asset you have. And, uh, you know, understanding that you're going to need those guys way more than they need you. You're blessed to be out there. And it's a, it's a war of attrition, man. I look around right now, I've been doing this 26 years and I don't see a lot of the guys that I started with. It's a, it's a tough game, man. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of peaks and valleys and ups and downs and a ton of sacrifice. Make sure you, you marry the right woman and, and she knows what she's in for because, uh, she's going to make or break you as well. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed to have married a, a saint that has stuck by me through everything that I've put them through and, uh, but also understands this game and we've moved seven times and she's raised three kids and held the house together. I mean, all of those are really important things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you're getting in this for money, uh, you're not going to be in it too long because everybody in this game starts off in the mail ring and, uh, you know, I started off in the mail room. Dave Van Horn started off there. Rob Childers start. I mean, everybody starts at the bottom, and uh, it's not going to be for money. And you've you've got to do things the right way, and understand that uh, no player is ever worth wrecking a relationship with another coach or burning a bridge. I just I firmly believe that players are going to come and go. Your relationship with coaches hopefully lasts a lifetime. And, uh, I'm just speaking on advice right now. And, mm -hmm. and so, uh, you got to understand those things, do things the right way, be a man of integrity, uh, never disrespect the game. And, uh, you know, you're not here, uh, to be friends with, with the guys that you coach. I think it's kind of like father, son or, uh, whatnot. I think that it can grow into that down the road, years down the road. But right now, uh, you know, you need to work your butt off every day to make sure they respect you as a man and respect the way you go about your business. You need to be honest and up front and, uh, you need to push and challenge these guys, uh, being a, a player's coach or a transformational coach or a coach that loves on his guys doesn't mean that, that, uh, you know, everything's always roses, uh, or everything's always positive. You know, I think you can be positive, positive, positive. And a lot of times what that's doing is just pushing off inevitable confrontation. You need to be upfront, honest, push and challenge these guys and get the most out of. And do you find that, I guess, because you've seen both sides. You have you seen that uh, are the guys um, going to play harder for you being the transformation coach? Well, yes, I'm going to be upfront and honest, but we're going to love up on you. And rather as opposed to the transactional guy where, you know, so you've seen that both sides. Are those guys, are you guys able to play more for you? They're, you think they're more thirsty, I guess you could say, because they always say you can't lead a horse, you can't make them drink, but you can sure make them thirsty. Well, I think guys are going to run through a wall for you when you're the real you. I yeah. think guys get in trouble when they try to put on a persona of something that's not them. Mm. And when you're genuine and, and, you know, you let your guys see you love, laugh, cry, sweat, bleed, work, all the intangibles. Uh, when 
when they see that and you're the genuine you, uh, they're going to do whatever it takes for you because they know you're going to do whatever it takes for them. But, you know, it's a common mistake when you try to be something you're not. Boy, you, people can sense that and players like a like a dog, they can smell that a mile away. And it comes off as disingenuous and, and uh, you know, it's hard for you to live up to as well. And mm-hmm. so when that image of yourself gets damaged, you're going to, you're going to act out and you're going to take it out on them or, you know, whatnot, you, uh, you know, you're going to lose some respect there. But when I think that's the number one key to leadership is just being, being the real you. And uh, when you can do that, when you're unafraid, and this is a big key here, when you're unafraid, Trey, to be embarrassed in front of the guys you lead, you've got it. Mm. And, you know, uh, you've got to own it, man. You've got to own mistakes and, and uh, you got to let them know, hey, that's on me. And, you know, I, I always say we've got a saying around here that, that sometimes you just got to overcome the coach. Uh, we're going, we're going to mess up. We're going to screw up just like everybody else. I think the key is you own it. You never throw anybody under the bus. You lead from the front and, uh, just be who you are. I cannot type fast enough coach. So just get, <laughs> I didn't even know you were typing. I am. See, I'm, I'm sneaky like that, you know, but yeah, I do. Go. Like I said, I got to write it down, you know, like I can't, I'm the same way. Yeah. Totally agree. I got to write it down and it helps me go back and reflect. And I love it, man. I just appreciate you helping me get better. Mm. Well, I got a question. If you'd like to, if you'd like to roll into some offensive stuff, you'd like to roll into um, maybe some, uh, some talks in baseball, maybe some offensive stuff with your, uh, yeah. you know, cause like you said, you've run, you've always run a scary offense, you know, that's just been a big, scary offense. So how, like, how is, is your offense keep evolving? Like those kind of same principles still kind of there has anything taken off? Um, you know, is anything really, you know, technology wise or anything that's kind of made you think differently or is, how has it evolved? Well, I think the game's still the same and, and, you know, as far as your offense, you're only as good as your personnel. And, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of like having a bunch of big running backs and a bunch of big offensive linemen and a bunch of, you know, tight ends. And you say, uh, you know, and then you have a wishbone quarterback and you say, we're going to go run the run and shoot. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just so your offense is a product of your personnel and uh we try inside the pack, you know, to make sure that we've got dynamic guys that have speed and strength, a, bent, a blend of, of uh, you know, speed and strength from their fingertips to their elbows, at least a six, eight runner and uh, are versatile, can, can play multiple positions, uh, have bat speed. It uh, doesn't mean they can hit right now. It just means that they have bat speed and, and they're athletic uh, and, they, and they play hard. You've got to get guys that can play for you. And, you know, that's, uh, that is very, very important. Now, as far as our offense, I mean, it's, it's, it is known as a pack strength of the packs of wolf strength, of the wolf's a pack. It's all about team baseball and, and creating offense through what I call the power of contribution. And I think we've hit and we've hit a bunch, uh, because 
our confidence is not derived, Trey, through uh, getting two or three hits a game or, or, you know, going one for three or four for four or whatever it might be. We're just not going to derive our confidence from that. And we're going to try to have short memories and and uh, we're just going to keep coming after you one through nine, wave after wave. And uh, But we, we try to derive our confidence from what I call the power of contribution, meaning getting that bunt down, taking that hit by pitch, stealing that bag. Uh, doing the little things that it takes to contribute to the success of the team is like making a deposit in the bank. And so maybe I'm, you know, over three with a walk and a, and a sacrifice bond, but we're in the 11th inning and the sixth at bat or fifth or sixth you know, time to the trip. Maybe I don't have a knock yet, but I've contributed to our team and that allows me to succeed in that moment and drive in that winning run or move that runner or whatever it might be. And so uh, it, we really, it's a, it's a long teach, but uh, teach our guy to, our guys to pride themselves based on who they are, runner, hitter, bomber, ball player uh, to contribute at their job, be great at doing your job for the success of the pack. And <laughs> we, we always start with in, in the wild, you know, how does a literal pack of, of wolves take down a Buffalo because they do it all the time. Well, they surround them and it's not one wolf going in because he'll get gored and killed. He's going to get shot out of there in a heartbeat. Uh, it's, they all have a job duty and function and they've got to be able to execute that, uh, just surgically. And they got to have the toughness and the grit to keep coming after that Buffalo until ultimately he goes down with a thud. And they all eat and they survive and they move on to the next. And that's the way I like to look at our offense, that guy on the bumps of Buffalo. And there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good Buffalo out there right now. And you're going to have to function together to wear him down. Uh, and, and a lot of you are. You're going to come out of there battered, beat up, bloodied, bruised. You know, you're going to wear an 0 for 3, an 0 for 4. But maybe you had a 12 pitch at bat in there. Uh, maybe you had three balls on the screws. Uh, it's all the power of perception. And so we're constantly taking from that guy and taking from him, taking from him. When we get that kill shot, we've got to be confident enough in who we are and, and our job on the, on the, on the ball club to execute and get it done and ultimately get him out of there, get in the bullpen and look to trash that thing and, and knock that other team all the way into Sunday. That's always our game plan, man. Uh, does it work out that time? No, not even close. It doesn't work out all the time. Uh, but that's hitting, right? It's uh, it's uh, very, very, it's incredibly tough to do. And so you've got to develop a callous mindset and some hard dudes that just love to compete and they're caught up in the fight, not in the result. You know, all the fun's in the scrap. I tell them all the time, you look at MMA fighters, a good MMA fighter might have a 500 record. He, he's going to have a bunch of losses. It's not about that for a lot of those dudes. It's all about the scrap. If it was about the record, they just tap out, but it's not, it's about the scrap and the fight. That's what you have to embrace at the dish. And if I can do that, uh, and I've got some mental tenacity to me and I've got a ton of attitude. I believe I'm going to win every time I walk up there and it's palpable. You could see it coming off of me and I've got a rock solid approach and I'm on time to the fastball and I get my work done on time and I'm swinging through the dish and I've got touch gap finish and extension. I'm unafraid of being jammed. All of those things that go into having a good approach, and I'm dominating the fastball. Uh, 
you know, I think you've got a chance to hit. And if you can get a ball club that does that, you've got a chance to really hit. You said have a chance to buy into that mentality and then that approach. And then we have a really good chance of being a hit from there. Yeah. Well, you got to remember in our game and it's, it's not talked about enough. The success of the individual 99.9% of the time depends on the team. The success of the team, however, does not depend on one individual. So if I truly want to be great, I'm going to play for my brothers. I'm going to make sure they're good. Mm. I'm going to make sure I'm doing everything I can to put us in a position to win. And when I will put personal stuff aside, stay off results. Results are temporary. Your commitment to your boys, that's forever. Nobody's going to remember if you hit 340 as a junior. They're just not. They're going to remember your sacrifice, your commitment, your toughness. You know, they're going to remember all of the, the intangibles. And when you can get guys to buy into the success of the pack or the team above myself, that's when you see guys develop and really start. That's where you see all Americans and team USA guys and just guys that are good draft picks, all of that. It all starts with dying to yourself and, and sacrificing for your boys and continuing to win through the power of contribution, because that builds a steady confidence, man, that I'm telling you at the moment of truth, it's unwavering. And I talk about all of this and, and, you know, over the quarantine, you know, because before the press conference, I, I, I spoke a lot all over the country on the pack offense. And yeah. uh, the, what the, the press conference just kind of heightened, you know, just a lot of the recognition and stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. But I had always gotten a lot of requests to talk about the pack and this and that. And, and so over the quarantine, I was like, man, I'm not just going to sit here. So I took 20 weeks. I'd wake up at 4 a.m. every day. I'd work from 4 to 9 a.m. And I wrote the pack offense and uh, complete with practice plans, drills, base run, everything. So you can buy the book mm -hmm. and then you can buy the manuals that go with the book. It's got a lot of the tests we take uh, and you can get it at my website, coachdegs.com. But it's everything that I'm just talking about, you know, real briefly is mapped out literally from A to Z. And I did it because there's just a lot of guys that have eaten it up over the years and I get a because lot because it's amazing. That's why <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. I get a, it makes me feel really good. I'll get an email and it'll have a, a team picture and they're holding up a state championship trophy or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. And it's just a, a quick thank you or, or whatnot. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. Highly. I, I remember, I, I remember, um, I forget where it was, but I had the DVD on, I, I remember uh, earning it somehow when your first talks of it I've, just years ago. It was unbelievable. And yeah, none of it ever since the Buffalo. Oh, so speaking of that, so like your Buffalo and your, um, your guys that you put in their identity, do you ever find it? Okay. Uh, Cause I was just talking to a coach about this is about, cause that's almost like number one thing that a lot of coaches experience is like, is, is even for all of us. I think just as men, uh, people, humans is figuring out who we are as an identity, right? Um, so how, how have you been successful at helping people say, hey, okay, you're a Buffalo, you know, or like you're this. And so like, uh, it's okay to like, say you can't be everything. You can't be the ball player, you know? Um, 
but like how, what have you done to maybe speed it up or those conversations to say, you do these things real, real well. So this is your identity as a hitter. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Trey, I, you recruited is what you do. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you have runners that's yeah. self-explanatory six, six or better have the heart to steal a base, you know, can have a short game. Uh, they're, they're there strictly to be a distraction, uh, reach base, create chaos, score runs. And then you have hitters, uh, which are your most dynamic players always they're six, eight runners or better strength from their fingertips to elbows, 20 plus double potential. They're run producers, but they, they're the one category that they have to have the baseball ability to play inside of all four categories, runner, hitter, bomber, ball player, bombers, are there to be a perception? I hit bombers in group two of BP because they're going to run balls out of the ballpark. It becomes a perception before you even play. It doesn't even mean that kid's in the lineup, but it's just a perception. And they're there to challenge the fences and uh, scare the opponent. And then ball players, which uh, not the biggest, strongest, fastest, but they're probably very good defenders. They're, they're, uh, can play multiple positions and they know how to execute and they execute when called upon and they execute with great pride and unselfishness. You've always got to have some ball players. Uh, and so the, we've been doing the pack since 06 and, and, uh, the summer of 06. So going into those seven seasons. So most times the pack transcends us into recruiting. I mean, got a lot of guys know about it and okay. you, you set out to recruit X amount of, hitters and and uh we need a runner uh you know we're running short on bombers uh you know and then most of the population if you can play baseball is a, is a ball player that's what i would have been i mean it's a lot most guys are ball players and uh they're guys that that have to fight scratch claw to stay relevant to stay in the frame and so naturally they're going to do whatever it takes and uh you need a bunt here i am pick me mm -hmm. uh to get on the field. And so that, that hunger is also very valuable uh, because they're going to wear that hit by pitch or they're going to move that runner. And uh, they know that that's their job. And, and so uh, you identify guys and, and then, you know, once we're here and, and we're beginning practice and uh, you know, that's the way we train them because every ball player or every, every baseball player is not created the same. And so I think where a lot of guys miss the boat, and I think why the pack really took off initially was people were tired of cookie button practice plans. You know, I, why is this 6'3", 225 kids sacrifice bunting the third um, in practice? He's not going to do it in a game. Mm -hmm. And so when you can design your practice to accentuate the abilities of the different types of players that you have based on the parameters you've put around them, runner, hitter, bomber, ball player. Now you got a chance to really develop their game as to who they are. And I think that's the beauty of the pack. Oh, for sure. So, cause coach, I mean, would you like when, when people do take it like at the a lower levels so and they can't recruit, let's say the high school, public high school, where, you know, how, what might be some advice you give them to be able to try to help them identify, you know, into those different categories? Number that's probably the first question always. And my, my answer to that is make it your own. Nobody says you have to have four categories. Nobody you know, no, you don't have to name them the same. And a lot of guys have done, there's guys out there coach this better than I do. I mean, 
a lot of guys have taken it, made it their own and run with. Mm -hmm. And so obviously it's going to be different at the high school level than it is at this level or the JUCO level. I mean, there's, there's, there was a big league team, uh, that, that worked to implement the pack. Uh, now at that level, it's just a lot of individuality. It's tough to do, but Mm -hmm. I think the concepts can be applied. Uh, so I think it's very important, Trey, that you make it your own. There's not a, just a set of, you know, in stone rules. It's look, this is the, the framework of it. Now, what you need to do is adapt and make it your own based on where you're at. Awesome. Have you found out, I was just wondering like, like the different types of teams, say we're doing the, the packs in so six. Has there been different types of packs that you maybe had more? Have you seen more success? Like, hey, we've had a lot more ball players, only one bomber. We've had about four bombers here, but like we had a lot of speed guys. Like, has there been a a formula that you've seen that kind of has has sure. done well with you? Like, been more successful? Yeah, if you want to be great, you need seven or eight hitters. <laughs> uh, you know, a couple of runners, uh, two or three ball players, a couple two or three bombers, but. Hitters, like I said, are going to be your most dynamic guys. Okay. Those yeah. are uh, the Colton Cowsers of the world. And, you know, the, the guys that you see about to go out in the first round here this week at the end of the week. I mean, that's who those guys look like, and that's who they are. Yeah. They can just basically do anything on the ball field. That's what you want is, yeah. is guys. And, look, there's different – there's going to be different levels of that. Yeah. And, hey, a lot of times guys aren't the finished product. I mean – you know, there's been multiple times that guy starts off as a ball player and he finishes career as a hitter mm. just because he gets bigger, stronger, and faster. Yeah. That makes him real dangerous because he understands a lot of the finer points. Mm. And that's something there for development, too. You think about maybe starting as a ball player, you know, even just as a kid, you know what I mean? Just as a, as a development, as a, ball, a baseball player, you know, like. Well, think about it in these terms. You've got the six foot three point guard that's phenomenal. He can dribble, he can distribute, he can handle the ball, he can defend. And over the summer, he grows six inches. Mm. Now he's a power forward. But he understands how to do all those things. Now you got Magic Johnson. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It's phenomenal. Oh, well, coach, I mean, I, 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 we've been here about an hour now. I just respect your time. Um, is there anything else you'd like to, to like to share anything else before we get going? You did a great job, Trey. I appreciate it, buddy. And, and, uh, thanks for having me on. God bless you. And, and, uh, appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate it. And, well, first off, before we get going, you said, you, know, you mentioned your website. Is that probably the best, best thing to go check? Yeah. Coachdags.com. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely 15 do to 28 on there. We've got a series of videos and, and, uh, most recently the pack offense, the book. Yep. Yep. Love it. Love it. Well, coach, I can't thank you enough, man. It's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Like I said, an honor. It's like I said, you were right out there when I, when we started this journey and you know, I, I can't thank you enough for taking some time here. To, I'm glad I made the top three, man. That makes me proud. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's just what it's about. And I know that you're about growing the game and it's, it's just, more about it's more about more the game is to us more than just a game you know yeah it's all about the kids and that's the thing man wins and losses and stuff it's that stuff's temporary but the relationship you make and the impact that you can have that that's got a chance to be forever that can be generational mm-hmm
I even like what you said there, even about the kids, is about like the results, you know, things we do that are temporary, but the bond and relationship you have with your teammates, that's forever. You know, like that's- guaranteed, man. When I was fired, it wasn't the actual game I missed, it was the camaraderie. Mm. That's the number one thing people will tell you. It's not the game. Yeah, we all love to compete. I can I can go play dominoes tonight and compete though. Mm-hmm. Which I probably will against my 16-year-old daughter who beats me all the time. But <laughs> that's 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 you can get that fixed. You can't just show up at the office with your boys and cut up all day. I mean, that's you can't duplicate that. Right. And that's what people miss. Coach Matt Deggs, just some incredible information. I knew it'd be great. Like I said, it was one of my guys I've looked up to, thinking about a story, thinking about there had to be more to coaching than just the wins and losses, you know, just finding that bigger purpose. And um, something when you look for your identity within the game and what you're doing, it just it gave more clarity, and it just like I said, I, I've, I've really looked forward to it and have those materials. If you haven't checked out CoachDegs.com, please do. Um, no promo. I'm paying the same price. There's nothing like that. It's just a matter of, like, it's great stuff. I've always followed him, got his stuff, his books. Um, it's incredible. It's an incredible resource. And um, it, it really was at the forefront of, like, really starting to, because like, he was doing the pack, like he said, since 06, and now people are talking about individualizing BP plans and things like that. The, the pack has always been like that. It's always been like basically people call bucketing now. Um, you know, driveline is really, I mean, if, but like when you bucket your hitters in your groups, that's all the Wolf Pack is. And he's been doing that since 06. And this was um, a great way to, you know, run the offense and find your guys that you have. And okay, well, you're, you're doing, you're well with this skill set. So we're going to put you in this group and we're going to, yeah, you're going to bunt a lot because that's part of your game. But though these other guys, your skill set, we don't need to do that. So, he was individualizing within a team setting, like I said, since 06 when they're doing the Wolf Packets. Because it's a matter of bringing everybody's talent, the team's talent, into hunting down that buffalo, hunting down that pitcher, surrounding him, you know, getting him out of there by everyone doing their job. And it's really individualizing in a team setting. So he's been doing that a while, and it's, it's great to hear him. That's why I love to, you know, wanted to talk to him about, like, how he's able to help. Uh, bring that identity and, and, and help people with that when that's one of the hardest things for people to do. Even ask, like, why are you playing the game of baseball? And, and uh, you know, people have struggled with that question. And so identity is a huge thing. So um, I just love just to, just, to, just, to, just to hear his story again and, um, you know, how he talks about how they're trying to win off the field as well through their graduation team GPA, their community work. Um, is in the relationship business, their professional development <laughs> uh, before or after practice. Or, oh, sometimes they're doing that, their professional development um, and how they're doing that and creating his culture and, and becoming better players on top of it. Um, and he's incorporating, asking guest, guest speakers into his program to talk about how they're dealing with uh, and how they've been successful and working towards that same mission and they're aligned with the mission that he has for the program. Um, but so coach Diggs again, just can't thank you enough. And, uh, if you haven't checked out his stuff, I highly recommend all his books, all his information, coach Diggs.com. And, um, as a tremendous guy to, to support. So 
Coach Dags, can't thank you enough. I appreciate it. Again, I appreciate all you guys with all your support and hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it helped me get a lot better today and just love his clarity, love his purpose, uh, love the story. And um, as a guy that I've um, definitely admired and, and looked through and, and followed from a distance and will continue to do that. So I wish him all the best there with the Raging Cajuns. And I uh, can't thank him enough. Appreciate all the support. And Will Modern, and the guys at Netting Pros, can't thank you guys enough for the sponsorship and helping us keep growing the game. And, um, getting to help out as much as we can. So until next week, keep getting better.